I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome again to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Every fortnight we bring you a mixture of features and discussions exploring every aspect of gardening, plant care, pest control, garden design, growing your own fruit and vegetables and container ideas, plus expert seasonal advice on what you should be doing in your garden right now. I'm Tony Dickerson, one of the RHS's team of horticultural advisors based here at RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey. Coming up in this edition, we report from the magnificent RHS flower show Tatton Park in Cheshire a celebration of the best in gardening set in stunning historical parkland. We continue our series on gardening essentials, techniques every gardener should master and equipment we should all own. This time we're discussing essentials for the fruit grower. And, as always, we bring you the latest news on RHS gardening events across the UK. 2015 continues to be a fantastic year for RHS flower shows. This week, the RHS flower show Tatton Park is in full swing. A riot of colour in the majestic setting of the historic Tatton Hall estate. The show has a carnival atmosphere and plays host to the annual RHS Young Designer of the Year Awards, the National Flower Bed Competition and much more. The show runs until July the 26th. My name's Isabel, I'm the Assistant Show Manager for Tatton Park. Um, here in the actually sunny, sunny moment of the show, um, we've got a fabulous range of gardens this year. Uh, We've got our Young Designer of the Year Gardens. There's three finalists that have spent the whole year working towards putting on their first show garden. And we've actually crowned the winner this year. Um, We had two golds and a silver gilt in total for the gardens, but Tamara Bridge got the title of RHS Young Designer of the Year. So that was a really uh, great achievement for her, but also the, the three finalists have done so well. They're some of our top gardens of the whole show. I'm Josh Chapman, I'm a garden designer, and we're currently sitting in my show garden at Tatton Park Flower Show. I'm one of this year's finalists of Young Designer of the Year, and, and I have won a silver gilt medal for my show garden, which is my first ever show garden, so I'm quite chuffed with that. My garden is called The Perfect Lawn, uh, and the brief given to us by the RHS was an in- English country garden, so my idea was to take elements from an English country garden and reimagine them for an urban space. Um, so I've taken uh, kind of the layout you'd expect to find of a lawn surrounded by planting and uh, kind of repurposed it. So the lawn takes the form of uh, turf seats, uh, which are copper clad, and they're set within quite colourful flowing planting. Uh, and that leads up to a secluded pavilion area, which gives uh, a really tranquil retreat for the urban space. Calm, contrasting the hustle and bustle of the city. The planting starts out really quite vibrant, 
colour-wise at the front of the garden. So we've got lots of really deep purple with salvia caradonna. And uh, from there, it sort of drifts towards the kind of retreat at the end of the garden. And then within the retreat, it's much more muted with much softer tones. We've got thalictrum and uh, eupatorium and uh, some white aconitum. And that contrasts the kind of vibrancy and the flow of the planting outside and just amplifies the sense of tranquility within the retreat space. So my name's Kate Saville, um, I'm part of the Young Designers, um, my garden's called Time is a Healer. When we first got the brief, which is English Country Gardens, um, I wanted to have a look into kind of the history of it. Um, so I found myself looking at uh, medieval visit gardens where all the medicinal herbs were grown. All the medicinal plants are there used, but it's in a much more natural setting. Um, I've got a main structure of the garden uh, is to reference a castle fortification. So I've used box hedging um, as the turrets. Um, so I've used lots of mints. I've got creeping mint and also um, just your normal mint, myrtle, uh, calendula and also echinacea. Um, so all these different plants are kind of perceived to have medical properties. So the garden itself is not only being surrounded by medicinal plants, but it's a very calming um, and relaxing space where you can kind of switch off from the outside world. So I'm Tamara Bridge and my garden's called the Sunset Garden and I'm part of the Young Designer of the Year competition where we were given a brief for designing a garden based on what makes our English gardens iconic. And um, I chose to do quite a traditional garden it's a very formal layout but softened with very luxuriant planting and rather than keeping it all very soft and mellow I've decided to incorporate some bold colours so it keeps it quite jazzy and gives you something else to, to look at um, and I've been really pleased with how it's turned out um, I've been busy trying to grow lavender at home pinching it out to get it flowering on time and roses is the same and it all seems to have come together really well and I've been lucky enough to be awarded a gold medal for the garden and not only that I've also been awarded young designer of the year it's sort of a bit of a relief it's such a long process to get here it's not quite sunk in yet uh, but I've got lots of friends here and uh, my family's coming up tomorrow so I'll be able to share it with them so it's mainly a square garden with a circular seat at the very top uh, where you can look through the planting and the borders go around the very edge of the garden that's enclosed with posts and metal arches and the central planting consists of lavender um, with standard roses, gora and um, some lilies which adds scent and at the front of the garden there's two obelisks um, which match in with the metal arches and they're covered with jasmine that's just right at the moment so it's very scented garden um, the other main plants in there are agapanthus um, there's also lots of alliums which add a little hint of purple lots of blues particularly with provoscia um, so it's very much a garden for the sort of last light of the day really where it's quite low and it glints off everything um, and I've been really pleased and it's it's mainly a garden for sandy soils uh, very well drained which we have in Norfolk um, lots of sort of hot summer heat as well Aside from our Young Designer of the Year gardens, we have our Year of Light gardens, which is celebrating the United Nations International Year of Light. So they've been quite interesting designs, quite conceptual. There's been one about fibre optics, one about the Hadron Collider, one about sort of capturing light in different ways. And yeah, they've been, been really well received by the visitors. We've had three golds for them, which again has been 
amazing. We're delighted with that. And again, they've bonded so well as a three. They're all very different designs, very interesting, very eye-catching. My name's Helen Elksmith and we are standing right next to the Reflecting Photonics Garden, which is one of the three International Year of Light Gardens. So at one end we have a pavilion, the sides of which are hanging perspex panels. So it's very light, it's very ethereal, the whole thing kind of floats. And on the top of it we have a light perspex roof which has holes cut in it which is the same as the cross section for these holy fibres. And then at one end of the garden we have kind of shady planting which is white. And then as you move through the garden the planting builds up to a kind of a crescendo of colour so we blend the colours from one end to the other. We see white light but actually light itself is made up of lots of different wavelengths of light which have different colours. And so that's the kind of whole idea behind why we've got these slightly bonkers colours. A lot of people are quite frightened of shady areas within their garden, but actually there's, there, there can be real opportunities if you're using kind of plants with sort of good foliage and, and white flowers to just bring a bit of light in there just by bouncing the light around by just by good plant choices. And one, nature is a wonderful thing. It has created loads of different plants. And so whatever your plant conditions, you will have something that's going to work in there. So I think if you've got those kind of dark, shady spaces, white planting looks absolutely brilliant to give it a lift. And then as we go out into the sunshine, all that colour bursts through and then we've got a kind of a mix of a lot of herbaceous perennials, really low-maintenance herbaceous perennials, introducing lots of colour and kind of gorgeous colour combinations. My name is Sharon Hockenhull and we're at the RHS Flower Show at Tatton Park. I've just won a gold medal and best in category uh, for the Light Garden competition, um, which I'm totally thrilled about, um, unexpected, so yeah, over the moon. The garden's called Light Catcher and it sort of aims to do what it says on the tin really. Um, it's there to, the structure's there to catch as much light as possible. Um, it's a steel framed structure um, with a PVC cladding um, which surrounds sort of like a cocoon um, and it reflect, refracts and diffuses light. Um, in the centre we have the arcs of the steel structure that funnel down to into a uh, big water bowl um, so it's all about that idea of reflecting the water and, and the structure and the patterns um, and the detail back up. The planting is again very much uh, focused on trying to select colours and forms that will catch light so there's lots of grasses with fine seed heads uh, that will glisten. Um, the colours are deep uh, purples and blues to give you a really nice sort of luminosity of um, a hue. Um, there's lots of whites and sort of pale yellows in there as well to give it a bit of a lift. It's essential in designing gardens. It, it kind of it dominates, you know, where you position a seating area to catch the morning sunlight or the evening sunlight. So it's hugely important in terms of plants and plant choice and how much light they get. Um, and you know, even sort of going into the evening. I mean, obviously this is a show garden, so public are not allowed in the evening and the night time but you know even lighted gardens is you know very important for, for people and then of course we've got the classic show gardens which are always very popular um, perennial the the gardening charity is here and they've done sort of a, a very large garden um, which is really going down well with all the visitors um, we've got one that looks a bit like the pyramid stage from Glastonbury so that's quite cool and in the sunshine all the lights and the colours looks quite magical so um, I'll definitely be trying to sit on there at the end of the show and just uh, enjoying the sunshine it's a great show it's got there's lots going on aside from the gardens we've got all the plants 
Um, we've got 76 nurseries and the floral marquees. They're the real experts of the plants world. Um, so visitors won't go short of being able to buy plants and get expert advice on their particular favourites. Um, we've got plenty of talks and workshops, so you can go and find out how to make a nice cute buttonhole for a wedding, or you can work out how you've got to plant your potatoes or like lay your turf. So it's all very practical for real gardeners as well as having a nice day out at the same time. We have three zones at Tatton. We have the Inspire Zone, which is all about ideas, high-tech design. So our light gardens are in, in that zone and the young designers are in there. We have our Grow Zone, which is all about plants. So the Floral Marquee and Plant Village, which are like full to the brim with beautiful, beautiful flowers. And then we have our Feast Zone, which is about grow your own plot to play you know cookery theatre let's get your veg growing in your allotment let's learn how to double dig and all of that sort of thing so each zone is very individual um, and brings its own character to the show the rhs flower show tatton park continues until sunday july the 26th you can find photos and reports from the show as well as details of other shows this year on the rhs website rhs.org.uk forward slash shows there are plenty of other events and attractions coming up in our four RHS gardens too. Join us for quality plants, advice, demonstrations and more at the RHS Hyde Hall Flower Show, which runs from the 30th of July to the 2nd of August. The show promises a fantastic day out with specialist nurseries, gardening sundries and expert advice, as well as a chance to explore the garden in full bloom. Get growing and join in the fun of the local produce show in the 15th of August RHS Garden Rosemont. There are competition categories for both adults and children, with Rosemore gift shop vouchers as prizes. There will also be cookery demonstrations, workshops for families and free face painting. At RHS Garden Harlow Car, we continue our celebration of the 150th anniversary of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, with Wonderland-inspired outdoor activities, trails and craft workshops. There's something new every week. Plus, every Sunday afternoon you can relax with live music near Betty's Tea House in the garden until the 31st of August. Now the school holidays are here, there's lots of special activities for children and for the whole family to enjoy. Hello, my name's Alexis Pym. I'm the Education and Learning Manager here at Wisley Garden. So we've got a fabulous summer ahead. All four gardens are celebrating the 150-year anniversary of Alice in Wonderland being published. So it's a fabulous book, but lots of garden-related things. So it's very curious in our garden. We've got all sorts of sculptures and activities. But all four gardens have got a special trail, and that's all to do with the jam tart thief. So someone has stolen the Red Queen's jam tarts, but we don't know who. And all of the answers and all of the activities around the gardens, some are curious, some are very confusing, but they're all around and you have to find out how many jam tarts were stolen and who the tart thief is. And that's all four of the RHS gardens. Um, but then separately here at Wisley, we've also got obviously our very own caucus race. Uh, it's the Dodos in Charge. Um, but for those of you who don't remember the book, the caucus race has no start and no end. And you just round and round and round and round and round. So we've got one of those. We've also got our Flamingo Croquet. And there's activities every day of the school holidays. So from Wednesday the 22nd of July right through to 31st of August, you might be uh, planting seeds. We've got some nice cat mint, obviously, for the Cheshire cat. Or you might be making a Mad Hatter's hat. Or you might learn to make jam tarts and playing card biscuits. So there's all sorts of fun things throughout the summer. And you can take part in. And then every Sunday we've got live music and bigger activities. So you can come and see um, the Birds of Prey displays and all the other things. 
As always, full details of all these events and more are on the RHS website. Go to rhs.org.uk forward slash gardens forward slash what's on. And finally, the next in our series of discussions of garden essentials, equipment and techniques to help you get the best performance from your plants, whatever the size of your garden or growing space. I joined Bernard Boardman here in the orchard at the RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey to discuss the essentials of growing your own fruit. Hi Tony, welcome to the fruit shed. I don't know whether you've been up here before, but this is our box of delights. Indeed, I notice on the door they have a secure door and danger pesticides, authorised persons only, which hopefully includes ourselves. We're definitely authorised to come in here. And uh, I might add that we don't actually keep pesticides in here anymore. That's a, it's a, bit, of, a bit of garden history. <laughs> <laughs> I warn you, it could be quite warm in here. Right. Now, Bernard, here we are in this... Uh, equipment shed here and I can see on the walls we've got a lot of racks and a lot of equipment in duplicate, triplicate and even larger quantities. Yes, um, there are times when uh, we have some quite big teams working in the orchard so we quite like to have uh, a lot of um, a lot of tools that come to hand. You might notice in this far corner here one or two uh, artifacts. I said the sign on the door was uh, um, was a homage to the past. Well, strapped still in its place is an old scythe, which we don't use, but it comes in handy for exhibits. It sort of adds a nice rustic touch. And this strange-looking thing here is a seed drill. Um, and there's another one buried under these bits of sacking, and they all... We use them to dress our bigger exhibits when we're doing shows. We're split up into three basic areas. We have a, um, a fruit garden, which is actually a whole lot of compartments, which demonstrates in as many varied ways as we can find how to grow fruit um, in your garden at home. It's one of the places in Wisley where I think the, the scale suits the home gardener when you visit any big garden there's a huge wow factor and then you have to start looking for the little bit you can take and use at home the fruit gardens here are set up definitely for the home domestic uh, fruit grower so that's the fruit garden then we have this area that we're standing in now with our tool shed and we have um, several quite large collections here and nationally important collections of soft fruit. We have a collection of gooseberries, which has got somewhere between 160 and 170 varieties, and that's not all of them. Um, they're actually on display at Tatton at the moment. Jim Arbery, our fruit expert, has taken a selection of that collection off to Tatton, along with some red currants some from our red currant collection. We can see just in front of us a collection of uh, black currants. I'm not quite sure what the number is, uh, but there's quite a few there. And they do taste different and they ripen at different times, which is important as you move around the country. We, then we like to show people how you can train fruit. So we've got some step-over apples here that were planted in the spring and they're only knee-high and they'll be kept in that long fence system. In the distance there, there's uh, 
are fan borders where we try and train fruit into a fan shape. So we've got cherries and plums and apples and pears. There's a grapevine over there, a mulberry that we keep under control. We started a meddler off a couple of years ago to see how that would perform in a fan shape. So we play around over there. But uh, if you want to make a big spread, if you've got a wall, say, or a, a narrow piece of garden down the side of a path, that's the sort of thing you can do there. And Bernard, the fruit from here, uh, what, what do we actually do with it here at the RHS? The soft fruit goes down to the restaurant. So it's all put to good use down there and they turn up with all sorts of things. We have a little event that runs throughout the summer, just into the beginning of September, and uh, it's Flavoursome Fridays, and you can come along and taste whatever we've been able to harvest, and uh, the company of cooks provide us with, we hope, something that they've made from our fruit. Last week we had a very nice cake that was made with spelt flour, and had our berries soaked right through it the week before we had meringues with raspberries in them. So uh, we do quite nicely. There, is, there are some perks. Now, Bernard, we've got a bit of hardware here, which we hope will be useful to the listeners if they're either keen fruit growers already or embarking on growing fruit. And there's some items on the, the ground there. Look, looks though they could have a role in the medieval battle. But before we get on to those, let, let's start with one of the most essential gardening tools, not just to the, the fruit grower, but to the general gardener. And in my hand here, I have what I consider a very fine pair of secateurs. They, they look very nice. And I hope that you chose them, Tony, because one of the first things you must consider is getting a pair that actually fits your hand. I have been given secateurs to use um, and where the spring is incredibly strong. And if you've got a lot of pruning to do, it makes your hand hurt. You will get repetitive strain. And I've got quite large hands, so's Tony, so we can handle quite a big pair of secateurs. There are small secateurs on the market, so don't just make do find some that suit you don't be afraid to spend some money because you will get quality if you buy a cheap pair of secateurs you're more likely to have problems with them now as you said bernard we both have very large hands and if we're using these frequently one of the features i like is the fact that the bottom handle here rotates and if you're doing a lot of pruning that very simple little device actually is a godsend in terms of uh, saving your hands and a lot of hand ache. Um, but I suppose the business end of any uh, secateurs and the most important part are the blades. Now, what should gardeners be looking for when they're purchasing secateurs? I think this is probably where spending the money um, come, gets in, comes into play because I think that you will get a better quality steel so you will get a better quality edge. If you've got a, a, a good quality steel, it will sharpen nicely and should retain its cutting edge for some time and be fairly easy to put that edge back onto it if you need to. What we've got here is these called bypass secateurs where a top sharpened blade literally bypasses a lower blade. And that's uh, very good for sharp, even cuts. There's another type of secateurs, um, anvil 
uh, pruners and secateurs where the actual blade meets literally a, a metal bar as it were uh, but I think bypass are the ones that we normally be using Bernard yes bypass is definitely favoured for amongst the the fruit team and I think most of most of the gardeners here at Wisley um, the problem with the anvil design is that if your blade loses its edge they do tend to squash before they cut and if you've got soft shoots um, that tends to be um, a problem also they don't come to quite such a fine point if you've got a narrow space to get in so um, but if you've got some heavy chopping to do um, maybe the anvil is sort of still um, will still do the job for you. I guess the one thing that all of us uh, are guilty of, though, are using tools perhaps where they're not quite suited to the job, where they're slightly inappropriate. And of course, secateurs are designed for cutting uh, relatively small branches, uh, small diameter. And once you're starting to look at larger, more substantial branches, I guess we need to go on to some long-handled pruners or loppers. And I see down here, Bernard, we've got... Uh, a typical pair much the same sort of bypass uh, construction in terms of the blade and so on but uh, uh, what, what can you say about yeah, these you you've got the same choices with a pair of loppers that you have with your secateurs in in the shape of blade they also come with various in various sizes i mean you can get some some with absolutely monstrous handles and huge jaws um, and you see those in the hands of our arboriculturalists uh, you will also find a much shorter pair than, than the ones we're looking at, perhaps sort of only the maybe two thirds the length of this. This handle's probably um, maybe 30, 40 centimeters. That's a sort of standard length, I would say, and they will do most of the things that we want them to do because, in the same way that you move up from your secateurs to your loppers you would move from your loppers to your saw. I would say anything, I, I hope Tony would agree, anything sort of over an inch uh, would would definitely warrant loppers. Indeed, yeah. And I think it's when you're working, if, you, if you're noticing that you're not making a sharp, easy cut with the hand secateurs, then you certainly need to consider uh, looking at a, a more substantial tool for the job. It's important not to be straining either yourself or uh, trying to cut branches with equipment that's just not up to the job. Yeah, so... There's our, there's our loppers. Um, we quite like to use them um, if we've got a big branch that we want to cut back. And you can, so there's a lot of weight and you can remove that weight very quickly with the loppers and leave yourself maybe sort of about a foot, about a foot to go before you want your finished cut. And then move over to, to, to perhaps a saw to make that final clean cut with because very often loppers will be inclined to tear and there's no nothing more frustrating than sort of going to make a really nice cut and just making that sort of getting a tear at the end so we very often remove the weight with loppers and then uh, so tony's now brandishing a very neat little fold-up saw mm. and again 
the, these are wonderful and very, very valuable tools yeah. to us. I think it's one of these, I mean, the great majority of gardeners have secateurs. I suspect relatively few actually have a pruning saw, and yet this um, is really a, a, a vital tool uh, because secateurs are fine for the finer work and so on, but if you're using them a lot in fruit trees, but perhaps Bernard, you'd agree that you may actually be taking off a lot of small wood with really at shoots that you shouldn't really be fiddling with. And uh, often uh, two or three cuts with a pruning saw will do the job quickly and efficiently uh, without actually uh, removing too much vital growth from the tree. Certainly when we set about pruning the main, main orchard in the winter, we will use our saws more than we'll use our secateurs uh, because we're making just a few big cuts and then we're moving on. A little bit of tidying up with your secateurs, but... Uh, our saws are very, very important to us. And although you can still buy saws that you, you manually sharpen, by far now the favoured design are these ones that are. Um, they actually have a disposable blade, but if you look after them, the blade will last a long time. Yeah, I mean, they... And they are very, very sharp and make a wonderful cut. Again, you can find more information on all aspects of gardening on the RHS website. Here you can also find links to our archive of RHS gardening podcasts, so you can catch up on any episodes of our Gardening Essential series that you might have missed. So that's all for this RHS gardening podcast. We'll be back in a fortnight when RHS experts will be tackling more of your gardening questions. Until then, remember to follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Tony Dickerson, and all here at RHS Garden Whistley, goodbye. Walking down the path in my garden, and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Crest robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Crest robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit Cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.